Demon Sword in a land of impossible evils. All paths lead to the Dark Lord. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Last week, we killed a demon with a sword. In the game, Clash at Demon Head. Now we're playing a game called Demon Sword, but the sword isn't a demon. It's pretty much the same idea. The demon can only be killed with a sword. Was this a common thing that happened in the 90s that, like, demons and swords and the only way to take care of them? Well, Mike, I think we're still in the cultural 80s right now, and demons were all the rage back then. Uh, I know this because I watched Stranger Things. The, yeah, yeah and that is, that's a documentary <laughs> about the 80s. Yeah. It's for but real no kids' demons experience. In Stranger Things. I think so. I just think it's funny that, uh, you know, it's like, obviously it's only happening because we play, if the games come out in the same month, they just happen to do it in alphabetical order and D comes after C, but the fact that they both have demon in the title and they're about killing demons with swords, just thought it was an interesting observation. Yeah, and I know that's like sort of a beside the point, but you'd agree with me that we're still technically like in like an 80s vibe, right? Oh, I couldn't agree more, but I do wonder now that you brought it up, what is like... Maybe not the moment, right? But what is the year that it starts to become the 90s? Maybe, like... I feel like anything that I see on the NES is probably going to make me... Well, make me, like, culturally think of the 80s. Although, like, in my own life, it makes me think of the 90s. So, you know, I think it's all all subjective. Maybe, like, 91 when, you know, Soviet Union fell. That seemed like a sea change, right? (laughs) Right, That makes sense. Are are the Power Rangers also 91? Because I think they are, and that's definitely 90s. Yeah. Nobody thinks. All right. Yeah. 91 it is. There you go. Uh, so that's it. The Power Rangers and the fall of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, yeah, great. Um, or maybe the beginning of Russia, depending on which way you look at it. It doesn't have to necessarily be the <laughs> Maybe fall. it's related. I mean, maybe we sent the Power, the Power Rangers over there in some covert ops. It was definitely well, that was a documentary, a too. Yeah. Yeah, Power Rangers and Stranger Things, both documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> because Power Rangers is, is actually, like, American, because the Japanese version was something different. Right, right? Super Sentai. Right. Super we Sentai? We talk about video games here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on this video game show, we're going to get back on subject to talk about Demon Sword. And uh, this game was made by Tose, uh, or Tose, we, we, we still don't know, and I'll never look it up because that takes away the fun. That is the secret shadowy ghost developer studio that makes games for other people, and then they get to show it off like it's their own, but they made it. They're actually still around. They just did some work on the uh, Crisis Core remake. Oh, wow. And yeah, so they're still making like big games. Like some work, meaning like they just, they did like the polishing, or did they, did they develop the game? I just didn't, I didn't want to say that they developed the whole game because it's like, you know, Square Enix has a whole freaking team too. So I doubt that like, in this day and age, you just outsource an entire video game to them. Yeah, but they just who knows did like they... the shoe design, or maybe they like program the game. I'm just spitballing here, of course, but maybe they program the game and Square Enix provides like art and design documents and stuff like that. Yeah, who knows? Cool. Yeah, I know. Like with other things, with other like remasters like that, like some like 
assets that have been lost just have to be like rebuilt. And I'm assuming that that's just a tedious task. Yeah. So they just like say, hey, remake all this. But this exactly was a the way remake, though, right? Like, was I it? I'm not actually I'm not sure. I haven't really sure too either. much into the Crisis Core. It's a very faithful remake. They didn't change anything about the ending or anything to work with the Final Fantasy VII remake series, which is interesting, right? You would have thought for sure this was their opportunity, given how the Final Fantasy VII remake game changed yeah. the story so much that Crisis Core could also rewrite some narratives. But no, it's the game. Yeah, I would have just imagined PSP. that. I guess it does fit with Square Enix to give more respect to Crisis Core, of all things, than to a classic for millions of people. But anyway, uh, what were you going to say, Mike? It's, uh, the game is published by Taito, though, the people who would take the credit for the game, too, back in the day and not even put Tosa anywhere on the box. Uh, Taito, of course, a giant of the uh, 70s and 80s arcade scene, but uh, bringing Square Enix back into the fold, they were actually purchased by Square Enix in 2005 for a you know good sum of money, and so I just wanted to bridge that connection back to Crisis Core and Square Enix and Demon Sword, right? The game that we're definitely yeah, not Demon trying Sword. to avoid talking about. <laughs> yeah. Demon Sword is about a man named Victor. Victor, not Victor. Thought that was thought that was important. The A, they they put it there, not me. Uh, Victor, who comes from a small village, has a sword that can destroy the demon. The blade had previously been split up into pieces, and Victor must travel through three worlds. Now, see, I don't think it's worlds, right? Like, he's is he really going to like other planets or other universes to get these swords? Like, I wonder if it's like using the term world as in like. You know, they like using it loosely. I mean, I don't think you know, like, in Mario you're going to different worlds, and yet they call it that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. See, I would have thought Mario, you are going to different worlds because that's like so much more like fantastical. I suppose, I guess. but 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 like, but either way, I mean, I feel like it's like uh, you know, you think Harry Potter, they say the Wizarding World. They don't go to a different world. It's just like, oh, this is our world. This is where like you people don't live in this world because you. Or off doing something yeah. else. Wait, Hogwarts takes More place like a on cultural Earth? world. <laughs> <laughs> Hogwarts doesn't take place anywhere. Hogwarts is just a no, building. No, I get that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying that building is like me- geographically on Earth. You're you're messing with. I'm me. saying like I thought that it's the whole like Earth. going through nine and three quarters thing was like that transport. Yeah, no, no, it's like in Scotland or something. Really? Oh wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But I'm being serious for a second. Like when they go yeah, through yeah. the brick wall thing, they don't go to like a a mirror world. That's like not. No, no, it's just it's just like our world. They have transport. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, it moves them somewhere else. But like, yeah, they have like they have spells to make sure that regular muggles don't walk near it. Like it repels them because it is an actual geographical space in the same. Okay, so yeah, that's what I figured. I didn't think that it went to you know world two. I I think that it's as if maybe. Maybe it started as like a, a translation error that just turned into canon, and like because I'm from Buffalo World, but I currently live in New York City World. You know, like maybe it's that. Uh, but I, yeah, I, like yeah. it's the way that I would say, like, wow, you live in a totally different world than me right now because you're in like a big city and I'm in like the country. Yeah, yeah. What else can we talk about? <laughs> well, the thing about the three worlds, the reason I bring that up and the the typo and everything, or not typo because they they are referring to them as worlds throughout the game is that each of those worlds contains a broken piece of the sword that you then add to your sword to restore its uh, swordliness so that you can defeat uh, the demon boss at the end of the uh, seventh stage. Let's talk about the the sword, though. 
Can we oh, talk about the are you sword? Sure? I, I kind of do. Because it's, right. the, it's the first thing that you see. <laughs> it's, in the, it's, it's on the title screen. You get this cool, like, that's lightning out. You see a sword. And I just wanted to state that um, it looks like a sword that I would have drawn in a study hall in middle school. Because it's a sword that has, you know, the, you know, the, the base. It's got the trunk of a regular sword, but then it's got mini swords coming yeah, off the sides Yeah, it's a sword with swords. Yeah, which I'm pretty yeah, sure... it's a cactus. It's a, it's cactus, a cactus sword. And I don't think that that would be useful in any actual combat scenario, but it does look fucking sweet. See, I agree with you that it wouldn't be necessarily useful. I mean, maybe, but who knows? But, like, I don't agree that it looks sweet. I think it looks really <laughs> It stupid. looks sweet in my middle school... <laughs> A uh, study hall <laughs> okay. sense is what I mean. <laughs> I see. And you never see that get like, oh, no, you do see it get added to the sword. So yeah. at least there's like some in-game element to that too because your sword just gets a little bit longer each time, yeah, right? You start with like a hilt. Right. And then it gets, yeah, larger as you move on. Well, I kind of like that uh, conceit. You know, if the sword is getting more powerful than adding like a component in the game too of having a, a longer reach, I, I don't know if that's true. but like, uh, It does. Have, uh, yeah, having like some usefulness for the sword as you're going along, like that that adds a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think that functionally that that's fine and uh like and I'll say too that the uh like if it weren't for the more high fidelity art, I would think based on the sprite work that like that was just supposed to be those extra swords was just supposed to be like energy beams coming out of it or like it's so powerful that it's bursting but then you see the actual art and it's like oh no those are just That's metal more yeah. sword <laughs> those are just like sword branches this game is very reminiscent of another taito game we played a while back the legend of kage and um i don't know if you guys uh, oh, remember that game or not but yeah it's just even from the way that victor runs the speed at which the you know everything moves, the characters, but also the enemies. Um, that diagonal jump, we 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 made, we like really drew that out in the uh, Kage episode to talk about how he kind of like leaps into the air and can fly up really high. Uh, it it feels almost like a clone if you didn't know that the same studio made it. Yeah, did Legend of Kage have like such a such a high jump? Oh yeah. yes, it, very high. Oh, yeah, you're okay. like crouching tiger. That, I feel like that that like the whole time you're playing. I I feel like that that element of this is what really kind of gives it its like specific feel. Yeah, the it, it like the jumping off of trees and climbing up uh, branches and just the the fluidity and speed. Like it, this is definitely like in the same series, or at least like the same devs worked on this. Yeah, it's surprising to see that they wouldn't call it Legend of Kage 2 and just, like, ride off that success. Yeah. But, Joe, to answer your question, yeah, the, every, everything, pretty much the things that Sean listed off, that's all the same. So the magic is what's new. Uh, you didn't have magic in Kage. So in this one, you can uh, you have protective fireballs, and then you can shoot lightning, and then you can shoot this thing called a power beam, but it's basically just stronger lightning um so <laughs> it's just it's just lightning that hurts more so and it's power beams uh but that's the, those are your three magic things and you know i question if that's enough of an upgrade for um you know for a game that we've already kind of played or at least felt like we played like i think it still has a different vibe though it seems a bit more structured i mean again 
Legend of Kage is a very, very, very blurry memory that I have that might have happened 10 years ago or two years ago. I don't remember when we started this podcast, but those memories still exist, but this does feel different. Yeah, I vaguely remember Legend of Kage as well, but like very vaguely. And I and I'm leaning towards agreeing with you, but that is almost making me like that's making me really want to like look back at Legend of Kage because if 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 we're saying that this feels more structured, I don't think that speaks well for Legend of Kage because I I I felt that the structure of this game Oh no, it doesn't. Was I didn't think that Kage <laughs> really had any structure to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that might be true, and that's kind of how I remember it too. Which I'm saying is like, <laughs> it's pretty impressive that like it, it could be less structured than this, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Legend of Kage, if you probably remember the first level of the game, but also most of the levels of the game having just like strobe effects for lightning that was going on throughout the woods, but the the first level of both games are very uh, similar to each other and almost feel like it's it's calling back to um, the original game. But uh, in in Legend of Kage, you also had like ninja stars that you could throw all the time. So you, you could hit with your katana, but you could also um, throw your ninja stars. And then you're, you had power-ups that could change the color of your outfits. And that's that was what that game's whole thing was. In this game, I guess the structure that you're referring to are those mystic gates that you need to kind of find and will first find the keys for and then find those mystic gates to move on to uh, the, the following stages. Yeah, it's it's more it's on the macro scale is where I find any structure like between finding those gates, getting those power ups by beating like a mini boss, um, then going to the end of the level, fighting that boss and then getting a very progressive like the upgrade for each boss is always like another part of the sword. Like, you know, just add the Lego on top, like most, how most swords work. Um, and so I'm not saying that it's like, Oh, it's got this vast storyline and like, Oh, there's all these things that make it feel, uh, very well planned out. But I, I consider that more than just level one, level two, level three. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should say that I think that, um, it could be the levels could be very cleverly structured um for all i know but the thing is is that like i think that the movement in this game is great i think that that's like one uh one like really good thing that it does even with like up being jump which we usually hate doesn't feel so bad because the movement feels so good i feel like the movement and the level design are at odds oh, yeah. together and I feel like that's why I feel like there's well, no structure. Well, Maybe there is structure, okay. but it doesn't work with the way the yeah, game Yeah, when, when I said um, that it felt more structured, again, I just meant like it... Yeah, I keep, I keep, re, I keep making up what you meant by structure. <laughs> I, I know that's no, because meant, the, the levels <laughs> themselves feel vast and almost too open to the point where it felt at times like the uh like the level was repeating like i kept seeing the same patterns like there's no way to know where you are in this game you just have to keep going in the direction that like probably just keep moving right um and i i just don't know if it if it was repeating or if i was just it was repeating okay yeah. it was repeating until you you fulfilled a certain like objective to to then eventually hit the boss area is what I'm imagining. 
yeah, having I, I thought it was just that like the key would the door would be there, but you couldn't get through it until you found correct. the key. Correct. The door is always there. You need the key. Okay. So yeah, the the level design, it's that repeatingness and how big everything is that definitely fits with the movement. Um, uh, otherwise, you wouldn't. It definitely wouldn't feel as fluid because you keep jumping, like you keep hitting shit. Uh, but yeah, the and you still feel like you don't really know what to go, what to do, where to go. Um, I don't know if maybe you agree with that, Joe. But oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I think that that's that's exact. I mean, I think that you're kind of hitting exactly my thoughts. It's it's got a great um. sense of speed and action going on throughout the game, and I think if you are the person who just kind of takes off running and, and doing these large diagonal jumps, the first thing you'll notice is that it's weird that enemies can spawn literally anywhere, including out of the sky, but they also <laughs> spawn diagonally, so it's not, like, convenient either. They're just, they're they're coming from nowhere, and they're going in odd directions. So you're dealing with that, but then if you just kept running and jumping, treating it like say, a, uh, a a platforming-style game, you don't really, like, take the time to understand the layout or explore for to find the Mystic Gates or to know, like, what's going on. You're just dodging enemies and not sure, like, if them spawning is, like... In Legend of Kage, you had to kill, like, X amount of enemies to move on. That was, that was their uh, stage sequence thing. It was like, yeah. you can't move on to the next stage until you kill 10, right? In this game... They they've changed that to try to you know update it a little bit or at least um, not make it so repetitive as just kill X number of enemies. But I I actually think the whole like the the speed at which the game wants you to play and the way in which enemies spawn doesn't really encourage this kind of like exploration no. thing that they might have been going for. Yeah, like I'm blown by half the platforms, and like when I started, I'm like, oh, I guess I should be kind of methodical, but then just the the foundational controls just make you not do that like between the momentum that you get when you keep moving in one direction like it just makes you not really care about what's right in front of you it makes you just want to keep moving and so yeah if you're trying to explore and find a key um that's not really how they should have gone about it yeah, and I think that that, like, overall, definitely, you know, definitely a negative thing, obviously, but I think that, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but, like, I don't want to understate how much I think that they, they kind of nailed the movement. Oh, yeah. They just put it in the wrong game. <laughs> like, it does feel good, like, that you, you get that, like, anime, like, samurai or whatever, like, sort of, like, warrior that you're trying to go with where it's like, oh, you're you're kind of, like, almost soaring through the levels because you're so agile and nimble and swift and you're kind of like just swiping down enemies as you go like you feel awesome you feel cool it just gets really boring really fast because there's no game built around it once you realize that the enemies are really not never going to present like more of a challenge even bosses kind of don't really like fit into that gameplay style but like (laughs) i mean not to you know not to like jump ahead to like my overall thoughts but i i felt like because of that, like I felt kind of like I was playing a tech demo for movement. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like it felt like this a- is the game that it should have been like kill X number of enemies, but also maybe it should have been making like points matter and 
almost, just because of how fluid everything is, almost like Devil May Cry-like, and, like, you get, like, combos and, uh, like, score adjustments that way. Like, that's how, like, a game that is, at its, like, that moves like this, I feel like it should have been structured. I know that that doesn't mean anything to anyone, uh, but, yeah, I agree. It seems like they applied some uh, mismatched design elements here. This game has the opposite problem of modern Sonic games, where modern Sonic games are all about, like, we want to make sure we can make him go fast, but you can still control him in these larger 3D open worlds. And so either he's not feeling fast at all because the worlds are way too large, or (laughs) he's moving so fast that um, you're missing out on everything that's happening. You know, all the stuff that they poured into the game, you're just completing it in two minutes. This game has the opposite problem because it's like, there's a whole the game actually probably wants you to play a little bit slower, but they designed their character to just to just do to go way too fast and for enemies to spawn way too rapidly that you can't kind of like just you know not stroll around, but you can't even like take in what's going on. You're just constantly fighting off enemies and figuring out like is this where I need to be? No, okay. Is this where I need to be? No, okay. And just keep moving and moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can normally just bypass anything that's in your way. <laughs> like there's no there's no platforming obstacles you can just jump so high you just get past it and enemies i mean you kill most of them in one hit or you can just jump past them there's really no there's no reason to not just rush to the boss yeah i mean you got to get a key but otherwise like well what's up with the bosses too because you know i didn't get to the end of the game but like some of these bosses only two hits and they're done i don't remember a situation killing them in two hits maybe you i feel (laughs) i i I yeah, I don't either. I remember situations where you can just kind of lock them and hit them a dozen yeah. times, and then they die, but they won't hit back. But yeah, I didn't remember any two hitters. Well, uh, were you guys using the magic? Oh, it took me a no. while to learn how to use it. Almost yeah. never. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you would just you would just use the magic for the bosses. I would actually argue that you know for the most of the for the rest of the enemies, the ones that are just one hit KOs, no reason to use the magic because if you miss, it's no different than missing with your sword, right? Yeah. So like, why bother? Um, but yeah, like if you use the power beam on these guys, it's, it's basically the fights are done. <laughs> Very strange. Wow. I mean, I guess the way I played was more enjoyable, uh, but I guess I was doing it wrong still. But did anyone else also feel like the bosses had almost no AI? Like it was like they were just programmed to just swipe, just swing and walk around and hope that you get in their way. Like, well, I, I thought it was canon that all the enemies are blind. <laughs> Oh, is that canon? Yeah. I thought that was canon, that, like, this army of demons can't see. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I noticed, like, uh, there's, like, a, I think it's the second boss, where it, I, it's more of, like, a wizard than it is a swordsman, and it, it will, it has some kind of AI where it will do its best to avoid you, so it can use, like, a ranged attack, or I, I think, um, but... Other than that, yeah, they just—they don't really have a pattern. They—they're just larger, more HP-heavy versions of the goofballs that are flying at you in the woods. Yeah, and because they have that—I uh, don't even know if this is the correct term or not—but in a lot of RPGs lately, it's been used as like staggering the enemy, um, mm-hmm. where you know, it, because it has that effect on the bosses too. They're—they're they're not that challenging if if you get them in like that sweet spot where you can kind of like attack them and. And then they're like stuck in like a state of animation where they look like they're taking damage, but then they can continue to take damage. Uh, you know, I'm not sure why they would design it like that. It should be more like 
you hit them and then they have a small period of invincibility or something. <laughs> if they want it to be a meth- more methodical, like, battle situation. Right, right. Yeah. But we're not even playing the real game, so what's the point, right, of talking about um, Demon Sword here? Because uh, Japan got the real game. On the, on the Famicom, there are six more stages, several more bosses, more items, more magic spells, and the ending in the Japanese version has extra scenes that weren't included. Uh, they, oh. they cut a lot of text and basically just ended the uh, NES version, but in Japan it actually like has more of a story to it. So we did you, just get a tech demo. Well, didn't you feel that was weird at the? I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the end. I watched it on YouTube. It's just him on like a riding a horse into the, like the in the desert, and then like the time just changes. But there's no text explaining what's happening. You're just watching him ride a horse. <laughs> no, I did see it. Uh, so it they right remove that. They remove the story from the game. I mean, I thought, okay, so you throw your completed demon sword into the head of a demon, and I'm like, okay, I did it. I thought that was just you, like, on your farewell tour, going back, you know, to work at Applebee's or something. And then they just did it. Yeah, but they could have put that as text. They could have been like, yeah, and And then then Victor Victor went back to Applebee's. (laughs) That's true. They could have done that. Or the wizarding world of Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes through, like, a portal into another planet. Wow, that's because just that's all how the, it works. That's all the the oh god, I couldn't think of the word for callbacks, but it's all of them. That's right there. that's the word. Yeah, yeah. you actually <laughs> did think of it. Mm-hmm. I just love how on this screen all the stars are just in clusters of three. It's just like a bunch of Orion's belts in the sky. Hey man, that's all stars are. <laughs> what else do you got, Mike? What do we got? I was just checking the Demon Sword Famicom play, but I guess it's called something different, so it's really hard for me to find it. Um, sorry about that. Like, thought I thought I'd have a good answer for what what happens next, but basically, from what I can see, yeah, he reunites with his. Oh, you know what? Actually, the horse thing is supposed to be silent, so at least they didn't jip us of like some contextual things there. They just. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Now, this is strange. Okay, sorry that it's all, like, live react, but the (laughs) Famicom version has the text after the the cowboy scene, after he's riding the horse into the desert. It has English text to explain what happens next. Praise to the great... uh, That word looks wrong, but it's like Vajra. V-A-J-R-A. Vajra. Vajra. With great wrath, he will violently destroy all obstacles. Oh, so Vajra must be Victor. Ah, that sounds pretty, like, just destructive. Are we, are we sure that Vajra isn't, like, a like another villain? In yeah, it sounds the... like we got the bad ending. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, he's going to destroy, uh, with, with great wrath, <laughs> he, will dest- he will violently destroy all obstacles. Yeah, that sounds like not what a good guy would do. He would... Like, mm. reluctantly destroy all obstacles because he must, because the prophecy was foretold. But Maybe he's an anti-hero. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is the first anti-hero. And he doesn't go <laughs> back to work at Applebee's. He goes back to work at, like, Popeye's. <laughs> is Popeye's, like, like, the anti-hero's version of Applebee's? Well, I guess, you know, anybody that works at Popeye's is, like, they're, they're mean. I would have thought TGI Fridays oh, okay. is the like anti-hero version of <laughs> Apple 
movies. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If we're going by fast cash, um, sit down restaurants, then maybe TGI Fridays does fit that bill. Was this in the manual? Uh, yeah, the one I'm, I wrote. Okay. I'm somewhat understanding of like, oh, it comes to North America and they made the game harder or they made the game easier, right? Like, I can understand some weird executive logic there for why they would make those kinds of decisions based on renting and stuff like that. But why cut content like like full stages and bosses and items and magic spells? Like, what's the what's the point there? At what point do you just say like, yeah, that's no, that does feel like a, like the freeware version, like the demo version of an actual game, three of nine levels. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, and also, I mean, even, like, yeah, I mean, I was going to say the same thing about, like, translation stuff, where it's like, okay, maybe they didn't want to translate this, and, like, you got to, I guess, do some recoding, but I feel like cutting magic, I mean, isn't that, isn't that extra work? (laughs) Don't you have to actually cut the spells out of the game? Well, maybe they're in the data, they just don't have any actual program drops for them or something. But, like, was there something where it's like, oh, this this magic is offensive to Americans, (laughs) Or like, like I know, like the only other one I could really think of is like Casino Kid, where they cut out like content like that, and like that. I guess I understood a little bit. Maybe we were just like a little more, uh, a little more strict on like gambling in a in a kids game. But this was like what was like the magic, like graphic or something. Like I don't, I don't know. Well, we can talk about the Famicom version all we want, but we're only allowed to vote on the North American version in the Essential Games list. And I go first on these things. Um, still working on that transition, but we're gonna we're gonna nail it eventually, right, guys? We're not right. good at transitions, so. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Throw it to me. There you go. <laughs> well, guys, you know, since you asked, uh, no, obviously not. Uh, we weren't even talking about the game for most of this episode. Uh, much to our own amusement, too. I had more fun recording this episode with you guys than I had playing with this game. It was funny because I didn't know that Demon Sword was the Legend of Kage folks, but as soon as I started playing this game, I said, wait a minute, I've done this before. Like, <laughs> are we sure that we haven't played this one? And I looked into it and I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I actually went back and played Legend of Kage. And, you know, this is the prettier version of that game. And I had a little more fun with that version. So I'm not even going to say Demon Sword's like that much of an upgrade. Um, it's a perplexing upgrade, if anything, because yeah, it's adding stuff, but is it really, is it really adding any fun? No, not for me. Sean? I will agree with you. Uh, this is a very pretty game. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about that. Again, we've, we've basically come to the conclusion that this is a tech demo, even though we were joking about it. Like, if we're going to get a third of the content, I'm not calling this a full game. Uh, and even when it's it's, like, full of content, I'm not entirely sure if it, like, fits its own design doc. So I would say that this also is not essential. Joe. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned how we like barely talked about the game this episode and that feels weird, but it it's just like you 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 run around, you attack enemies, you fight bosses. And I feel like everything around that is so not memorable. Like it's hard to talk about this game like what it's just that, like that's kind of the the meat and potatoes of it. And I feel like this is one of the many, but like maybe a one that's like very um, guilty of feeling unfinished. So definitely not essential on my part. And don't worry about us, uh, you know, 
struggling to talk about this game. We'll be talking about many games. We still have many more games to cover. We've talked about many games. You can check out all those past episodes if you haven't already, or never too uh, early to just restart and try to catch up with us all over again. But uh, we also have Nostalgia Bites. Uh, we have 12 of those now and a Game Boy uh, episode. So if you sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash nostalgia, you get like 13 plus episodes for free right now. And then you can immediately cancel. But don't do that. Just hang around. See where it leads you. Might lead you to our Discord because we have one of those too. And we're all good friends there. But you don't have to join that if you join the Patreon. They're like kind of different ideas. Uh, join the <laughs> Patreon. You get access to the Discord. But... You don't have to talk to other people. It's not. Uh, we're not gonna do show and tell. We don't make. Pe- we don't do icebreakers either. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, not icebreakers, but speaking of video games, the next nest uh, nostalgia bite episode is All Night Nippon Super Mario Brothers, which is Super Mario Brothers with DJs coming out of the warp pipes. But also another episode where we're gonna talk about many Super Mario Brothers games. It might surprise you which ones we cover. So definitely check that episode out as well. Otherwise, I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon.